Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why you save some things for a special occasion, but never end up using them at all. Why you might want to rethink that belief you probably have that you've changed more in the past than you will in the future. And how Cody and I feel about the fact that this is Curiosity Daily's 1,000th episode. Yes, so many feels and thoughts and stuff. So stick around. But first, let's satisfy some curiosity. If you've ever had an item you refused to use until a special occasion that never comes, this one's for you. A new study has gotten to the bottom of why we do this to ourselves. Marketing researchers Jacqueline Rifkin and Jonah Berger invited 121 students to their lab to solve word puzzles and gave them each a blank notebook. Half of the group could use either their new notebook or some scrap paper to solve the puzzles by hand, while the other half didn't get the option. Instead, they used a computer. In the second round, everyone had to solve the second set of puzzles by hand, again using scrap paper or the notebooks. Those who had consciously chosen not to use their notebooks in round one were far less likely to use them in round two. Later experiments zeroed in on why people decide to hold off. In these tests, participants imagined they'd bought a $12 bottle of Pinot Noir. Then some people were told to imagine they'd almost drank it at dinner with a friend, but decided not to. Finally, everyone indicated how soon they'd drink the wine, what the ideal occasion to open it might be, and how special it was. Participants who imagined waiting to open the wine rated it as much more special than those who didn't. Their ideal occasion was also a lot fancier than those who hadn't imagined waiting. Suddenly, that 12-buck chuck became fit for celebrating a promotion or a proposal. Scientists named this phenomenon the specialness spiral. Here's how it works. Making decisions is tough when your options are presented one at a time, like they are when you have multiple opportunities to open a bottle of wine. So you decide to hold off on the decision. But that's not what you tell yourself. Instead, you find some other reason for why you're holding off. The wine must be special, and it only grows more special as it sits unused. And therefore, the ideal occasion you're saving it for becomes more special too. Eventually, the wine is so sacred that there's not an event to match. We do this with other items too, like clothes, candles, or custom stationery, and that's how we end up with clutter. So how do you stop it? Experts suggest being more mindful when you buy things. Have a specific purpose in mind when you make the purchase rather than buying the item for a special occasion that may never come. After all, life is too short to save things for a special occasion. Like a 1,000th episode? That's right. Let's pop the bubbly. <laughs> Think about who you were 10 years ago. Past you probably looked completely different and had different friends, interests, and priorities. Now imagine who you'll be in 10 years. Do you think you'll have the same friends or like the same things you do now? Well, according to research, you probably think so. Studies suggest that we tend to think we've changed more in the past than we will in the future, which affects our decision-making. And a new study shows that Americans are especially likely to make this mistake. This psychological concept is known as the end-of-history illusion. 
It's the idea that we see ourselves as finished products at any given moment. But in reality, we're works in progress that will probably change. Psychologists confirmed this phenomenon by surveying 19,000 people between the ages of 18 and 68 about how much they have changed in the last 10 years and how much they think they'll change in the next 10. Then they compared the older participants' reflections on the last decade to the younger group's predictions. Every age group reported changing more drastically in the last decade than participants who were 10 years younger forecasted for themselves. We also tend to feel that we experience more change earlier in our lives. I mean, think of how quickly a baby grows into a walking, talking toddler, or how much you changed from the beginning to the end of college. Researchers say that change does slow down a little as we age, but not as much as we think. People at every age underestimated how much they'd evolve in the upcoming decade. Scientists blame our lack of imagination. It's hard to imagine who we'll be 10 years from now, so we mistakenly think we'll be mostly the same. And like I said before, new research shows that this fallacy is especially American. Scientists asked 5,000 participants from the U.S. and Japan to rate their life satisfaction, personality, and self-esteem now and 10 years in the past and future. Americans reported more past change and viewed their former selves more negatively than the Japanese. And the team says these results are related to the American dream and its intense focus on self-improvement. Americans are tougher critics on their past selves because it helps us feel that we've achieved greater personal growth. Americans also felt more strongly that they knew themselves, so predicting that our future selves would stay the same maintains that level of self-confidence. Life and the future can feel uncertain, especially since the pandemic, but it's good to remember that change is the one constant in our life. But this podcast will never change. It will always be your favorite podcast. The podcast will change, but it will still be your favorite podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, well, let's recap the main things we learned today and then talk about our 1,000th episode, which is this one. 1,000. This one. Well, we learned that when you save an item for a special occasion that never comes, that's called a specialness spiral. It happens because the longer you hold off on doing something, the more special it becomes, whether it's wearing that fancy outfit or opening a fine bottle of wine. And the best way to stop is by having a specific purpose in mind when you purchase something, rather than buying it for a quote-unquote special occasion that'll never come. I've come up with a couple ways of dealing with this. One is to gift away the item. So if you have that nice bottle of wine or a rare bottle of beer, and you just keep saving it for a special occasion that never comes, well, the day's going to come when you need to buy a gift for somebody for their birthday or for the holidays, and you don't know what to buy them, so just give it away. And then they can deal with the specialness spiral, and you've gotten rid of it. It's not your problem anymore. The other thing that I do is I've thought outside the box. So I actually got this highly collectible t-shirt the last time I was at the United Center when CM Punk made his return to wrestling at AEW Rampage. And I, I knew immediately I would never wear this, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to frame it. I'm going to flatten it out, put it in a frame with ticket stubs from that night and ice cream bar wrappers from that night. It's a collectible thing. Don't worry about it. 
and then they'll be displayed on my wall forever. So I get to, you know, put this cool collectible thing up there, even though it's not being used for its intended purpose of like wearing it on my back, I am still getting value out of it beyond just throwing it in a drawer and knowing that I have it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, it's a little bit different. A great rule of thumb for fixing this with clothing is the hanger rule. You keep all of the hangers facing backward, the the hooks, right, facing backward. And then every time you wear something in your closet, you turn it around. So then at the end of the year, you see all of the hangers that are still backwards, and then you, you donate those clothes. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. I have an autographed puddle of mud t-shirt that I've had for more than 10 years and I've never worn it and I don't know what to do with it. See, I feel like everything you're mentioning is like, those are collector's items. Like, those are things that you shouldn't wear. Hmm. What are they? I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you see them, I guess. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) And we learned that you probably think you changed more in the past than you will in the future. This is what's called the end of history illusion. And scientists say it's just due to a lack of imagination. It's hard to imagine who we'll be in 10 years from now. So we mistakenly think we'll be mostly the same. I mean, I don't have much to go on, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know me now. I know me in the past. That's the information I have. Uh, I mean, look, even before starting this job, like four years ago, I was a radically different person than I am now. I think I've definitely calmed down, become a more pleasant person to be around. (laughs) Specifically, I mean, I don't correct people as much. And you know what? It's because I get to do it and get paid for it. (laughs) I'm an editor. I get to correct people for a living. So I don't have to do it in my personal life. And that has made me a much more pleasant person to be around. I think you've gotten a lot more confident, too. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, that comes with experience for sure. Right. Yeah. Hard to believe our first episode was just three and a half years ago. Right. I mean, and and you, you have become much more knowledgeable about science. I mean, I've been telling the story about how how in the past, you know, I was always the the science person and you were like, okay, cool. I, I, I trust you. I trust you that this is cool and real. I don't know. And then recently in pitch meetings, you've been like, Oh, what? This study's looking for carbon-based life? It's not looking for silicon-based life. It's leaving out an entire subset of possible life. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, the listener is not the only person that has grown from this podcast <laughs> by any means. And speaking of our podcast and changing things and other stuff, yeah, a thousand episodes So when we originally launched a podcast for Curiosity, we did about 40 episodes of a weekly show called The Curiosity Podcast. And you can find those ancient episodes from 2017 and 2018 in our podcast RSS feed. So that's why you might see Apple Podcasts and Apple Podcasts is like, oh, there's 1,040 episodes. That's why. But I promise this is actually our thousandth episode of Curiosity Daily. So that explains that discrepancy. There is an Easter egg in the original Curiosity podcast, though, and that is Cody's interview with the man that would become my husband. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's called Think Like a Mind Reader. If you're interested, you can look it up. Yeah. It was the third person I ever interviewed for a podcast and the third groom whose wedding I officiated. Amazing. Weird. (laughs) If you want to hear Ashley and I talk a lot about our past doing the podcasts for Curiosity, including Curiosity Daily. We're hosting a live stream this evening, 
tonight, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, right? That's right. You can sign up to check it out for free using the Eventbrite link in today's show notes and on curiositydaily.com or just register for the event on Curiosity's Facebook page. That's where it'll be happening. In case you can't join us, though, we thought we'd give you a little treat right now. Yeah, a lot happens that you don't hear on the show. And as much as I want the show to sound perfect for you, we are far from that behind the scenes. For example, sometimes we have a hard time pronouncing things, like this time. Honorificabilitudinitatibus. Okay. Honorificabilitudinitatibus. Honorific abilitudinitapitus. Tatibus. Honorific abilitudinitatibus. Honorific abilitudinitatibus. Wait, wait, wait. Why was I saying that word? So that word appears in William Shakespeare's Love's Labor's Lost. And he kind of did it as a little tongue-in-cheek commentary on the way that language was being used at the time. Oh, right. It was a story about where they were changing the English language to sound more Latin and fancy. And everybody thought that was really silly. I remember that. Right. But it's not just very long Shakespearean era words that trip us up. Yeah, sometimes it's the easy ones. Here are a few examples. This past June, folks in North North America and <laughs> Europe. This past June, folks in North... <laughs> Experts recommend that teens get... <clears throat> Speaking of getting puberty, am I right? <clears throat> Here's my water. There we go. Hmm. That's weird. Vibrations in the fluid cause the stereocilia to sway, kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone. Anemone. I always say that wrong. Kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone. That's kind of like that's kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone that's moving of a sea anemone of a sea anemone. Kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone of this of a sea anemone. <laughs> kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone. Now I'm laughing. You got it. It's fine. Kind of like the tentacles of a sea anemone that's moving with the ocean current. I did it. Okay. <laughs> And sometimes it's a turn of phrase we don't quite get right. Like this. The last year, the pandemic stopped the survey, which made crab fishing all the more hard, all the more harder, all the, uh, all the, all the more difficult. There we go. <laughs> You'd think that with all the times we repeat the same phrases on the show, we'd have them down. But no, here are a few fun mishaps. And how you could boost your memory by reading out loud. Let's satisfy some curiosity. That was high. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Let's satisfy some curiosity. All right. <laughs> hey, Ashley, let's recap what we learned today. All right. Well, what do I start with? What do I, how do, how does this work? What's my job? Uh, <laughs> elevators. Um, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, we learned that elevators were super dangerous for a long time. And edited by Ashley Hammer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Dahlia. For Curiosity Dahlia. <laughs> and if you're a longtime listener, you are no stranger to hearing us tell bad jokes. But there are worse jokes that never even make it to the show. Join us again tomorrow for a podcast that won't be a bad egg that paleontologists will find fossilized in several million years. <laughs> <laughs>
a little credit. Sometimes we say things that are funny, just they don't quite make it to the show. Like this time we wanted to do a little homage to the popular podcast Science Versus, and I attempted an Australian accent. I'm going to try it. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgins. No, <laughs> no, so no, no. It's <laughs> Okay. Oh. oh, we love science versus. We met Wendy at a conference one time. Super, super nice person. But that doesn't mean that we can do a good Australian accent. That's right. And, you know, I've been collecting these kind of gag reel clips over the years to play on a special occasion, like this thousandth episode. But there are some clips I have that I just can't really categorize. To illustrate this, oh, I can put, oh, sweet. You can put my foot up on my chair while I'm, and it's like a stretch. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know this before. Oh, I'm so much more comfortable. <laughs> to illustrate this paradox. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? Oh, man, I don't know. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? I was flying through the sky with Danny DeVito. I don't remember what we were doing, but it was, it was really cool. On an airplane or like? No, fl- no, like. Like with Superman. our bodies. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yep. We were just, we were flying. We are buds. <laughs> flying buds. Makes a good flying buddy. Danny DeVito, if you're listening, <laughs> we'd love to have you on this podcast. Maybe come fly somewhere with Ashley. Yeah. Hit us up. <laughs> anyway, we hope you liked this little glimpse of the show behind the show. And it was so much fun putting together this segment that I'm going to do my best to not fall into a specialness spiral when it comes to saving really fun clips and sharing them with you. Because, you know, they're pretty funny. At least I think so. Hear, hear. And we'd be remiss to not say thank you for listening. It's really cool. Yes, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful thing to do this whole time. And we're going to keep doing it. We're not stopping. But... Mm -hmm. It's just been such a wonderful way to, you know, I learn something new every day. Yeah. And it's really hard. <laughs> just to be clear, we work really hard, but it's totally worth it because I feel like I'm doing something good with my life. So I hope you do, too. Definitely. And if you want to support the show, please tell one friend about it. Just one. Just one. Doesn't have to be multiple. Just one. And you can always leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Our bosses love that. They do. They do. The writer for today's stories was Steffi Drucker. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. We hope to see you on our special live stream. And then join us again tomorrow for the first of another thousand episodes of Curiosity Daily to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.